On today's episode of the Playgrounder Podcast, Matt and I bring on Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. Great, great conversation about the Cavs and their free agency because they have a very interesting offseason ahead. You know, we talk about do they trade Kevin Love? We talk about their young core and who they can pick at number five. Uh, we talk about Tristan Thompson and Andre Drummond. They got a lot going on. Also, if you are a Cavs fan and or interested in the current state of the Cleveland Cavaliers, you are going to want to go to theplayrunner.com and read Nick Trezino's most recent article on the Cavs offseason and their kind of future ahead with this current young core. Uh, and then we play a little bit of NBA-related would-you-rather. So we ask ourselves uh, or each other some would-you-rather questions that relate to the NBA we also came up with a few that were non-NBA related. So, hey, if you got your answers to those, please tweet them at us at PlaygrounderNBA or at Zach Wilson NBA or at Matt Esposito underscore. You can tweet at all three even, uh, even with your own would you rather questions because maybe we'll answer them on the show. Go to theplaygrounder.com. We got lots of great off-season free agency stuff. Check out the Playgrounder on YouTube. We have free agent profiles and previews and videos up there consistently. The Playground or Trade Pod, the Quiz the Beat podcast. We also just took on a couple new writers, so uh, go check out their work. I'm sure they, they, they'll get stuff coming out soon. And yeah, subscribe to this pod, leave your review, and let us know your answers to those Would You Rathers because we're intrigued. And uh, let's get it. All right, so last episode, Matt and I, we kind of touched on Andre Drummond's like player option and what's going to happen, and we, uh, to say the least, we were kind of confused by it because it seems like a confusing situation. So, uh, you know, what do you do when you're confused? You you bring on the experts, and that's what we did. We have Chris Fedor. He writes for uh, Cleveland.com and covers the Cavs. Uh, Chris, I actually do want to ask, maybe it's just me. Am I the only one, or has anyone ever told you you kind of look like Tim McMahon? No, nobody's ever told me that. And him and I hang out all the time together. We were actually at a bar in um, Utah last year together, and nobody brought that up that we looked alike. Do you think I'm crazy for saying that, or do you like do you like kind of see it? Like now that you bring it up, I kind of see it. Um, you know, I've actually gotten Steph Curry in the past. I don't know where that came <laughs> from, but people have brought that up to me. Um, which I'll take, by the way. I don't launch threes the way that he does, although I can shoot a little bit still. Um, Tim McMahon's a new one, though. Now I'm pulling up his bio on Twitter. Like, I can kind of see it. We've got the short hair, kind of the same facial features. Sure, yeah, I'll give you that one. All right, I'm happy because I always hate when I compare two people who look alike and everyone's like, yo, you're insane. What do you see? This it literally just happened last week when I, I, I said two of our friends looked alike and everyone, everyone just said, no, that's that. They don't. So I'm looking uh, at his profile pic on Twitter right now. And I can definitely see where you're getting that. that I mean, I don't like... want to dig. I don't want to dig too much into the facial features and stuff like that, but same color eyes kind of got the beard going. Yep. It makes sense. All right, I like it. I like it. That's like the main comparison I saw was based off his profile picture and then just what I've seen of you. So that's uh, yeah. that's awesome. Um, but anyways, enough Tim McMahon, uh, Chris Fedor comparisons. Let's talk about some calves in the offseason. Uh, one sure. question I do want to ask you, and it's something that we heard really a lot of last year. Uh, do you think we could potentially see 
a Kevin Love trade this offseason? And do you think they'd have to attach one of the young guys or a, a trade piece along with that to make it a sweetener? Or what, what, do you, what do you think about that whole situation? I still say no. Everybody asks me this question about Kevin Love, and I answer the same way. I don't think it's going to happen because the problem is, guys, there's a huge gap in perceived value around the NBA when it comes to Kevin and mm. with the Cavs when it comes to Kevin. And until that gap closes, um, I think there's just going to be a huge impasse in conversations. Like the league wants the Cavs to throw in a sweetener. They want the Cavs to throw in a pick or throw in one of their young guys. And the league is saying, we're helping you because we're taking his contract off your hands. And the Cavs are looking at him saying, no, he's our best player. He's our most important player. You give us the asset in order to get Kevin Love because you need Kevin Love to get over the hump. And I just don't think the, the gap is going to close enough for the Cavs to say yes to a Kevin Love trade. They had an opportunity to trade him last year at the deadline. Um, there was a conversation with the Portland Trailblazers about Hassan Whiteside, bad contract, bad contract. But Portland wanted the Cavs to throw in an asset. The Cavs are not going to salary dump Kevin Love. Um, and teams want the Cavs to salary dump Kevin Love. That, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, regardless of what happens, um, it's it's something that like I think all people should kind of be be envious of. And like I, I think what we're gonna see Kevin Love do, or what he did, is what we're gonna see more and more NBA players do. Is like he obviously took the the extension, and then like if mm-hmm. one day he he wants out, I guess you know players have the ways now the the tools nowadays to do that. So like. Um, I don't know. He kind of could be like ahead of the trend there of like taking the money and then kind of seeing what happens next. But um, that's, I didn't hear about that Hassan Whiteside for Kevin Love deal. Like, do you think in, in retrospect, do you think Cleveland might look back and wish they had done that? No, I don't. That's the thing. Zach and Matt, they still consider him their, their, their best player and their most important player. They talk about the, the floor spacing that he provides, the perimeter shooting that he provides, the basketball IQ, the passing ability. There is somebody in the organization that argues that he's the best passer that the Cavs have of, of anybody, and he plays the power forward spot so they can run offense through him. And the other reason why they like him is they feel like he's good for the young guys Um, when engaged, when being the leader that he needs to be. And look, he had some episodes this past year. He would admit it. He said he acted at times like a baby. But he sets the tone for the organization in terms of his work ethic, um, for the most part, his professionalism. And most importantly, it's the fact that he takes pressure off of the young guys so that they don't have to have everything on them to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, if, if we want to talk to a play this seems small, but if we want to talk to a player after the game to talk about the struggles of the organization, that's Kevin's responsibility as one of the leaders of the team. If he wasn't here, that responsibility too soon would fall to somebody like Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr., Colin Sexton, and none of those guys at this stage of their development and their career are ready for that level of responsibility Um, And it goes the same for on the court. Like when the Cavs need to get a bucket, if they need to run offense, if they need a pet play run, chances are it's going to be Kevin first drawing the attention of the defense and taking pressure off the young guys on the offensive end that way too. Do you think there's any 
want on Kevin Love's side to get out, or, or does he seem pretty content there? I talked to a number of people close to Kevin at various points last year, and he wanted out. He was hoping for a trade at the deadline. Now, things changed in February. Uh, John Beeline was no longer the head coach. J.B. Bickerstaff was elevated to head coach. Kevin and J.B. have a great relationship. It goes back to his Minnesota days, yes, because J.B. was in Minnesota with Kevin when he was a young player, just coming into his own, but it goes beyond that. Kevin has a really, really good relationship with J.B.'s dad, Bernie, who is also in the Cavs' front office. So I think having somebody like J.B. Bickerstaff will help Kevin, especially when he gets into those modes where he's really frustrated when the losses are too much for him, um, when the team isn't playing the right way, uh, when they're not sharing the basketball like they did at times last year. Um, I think that will help smooth some of the issues that the Cavs could deal with, um, not just this year, but moving forward if Kevin stays on the roster. But there was a, a number of different points last year where the frustration just got too much. Um, he showed it on the court, and people close to him said that, that he wanted out, that there was nothing else for him here in Cleveland. Um, I got the sense, though, once J.B. Bickerstaff took over for John Beeline, that those feelings changed. In saying that, like if Kevin had an opportunity to go to a winner, like if that was something that was presented to him, um, I think he would love that. At the stage of his career, he wants to be competing for championships. That's obvious. But I just don't think it's to a point where it's so contentious where Kevin's going to go to the front office and say, get me out or I'm going to be uh, a disgruntled player here. Right. And you brought up a good point. Like, you know, when, when you were talking about how Kevin Love is kind of helping out the, the younger players, I think something we see around the league is a lot of teams tend to bottom out. And um, in, in, in order to gain that top draft pick, they, uh, they actually end up sacrificing some guys that could help their culture and, and teach players mm-hmm. how to be professionals. Um, and another one of those guys that I'm thinking of is Tristan Thompson. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's kind of like a, you know, if if Andre opts in, you know, it's it's kind of unclear what might happen. So so like, what do you think? I, I just wanted to get your opinion for you know, what do you think um, the free agency like price range will be for Thompson? Mm. How much will it take to for another team to get him? It's such a hard question to answer, guys, because free agency is so crazy this off season. There is no salary cap set. There is no luxury tax set. Um, And there aren't a lot of teams out there with available cap space. So, you know, in most off seasons, you would sit there and you would look at Tristan Thompson and you would look at him, the player and him, the person, and you'd start weighing the value. And you could probably make an honest assessment based on past and based on what the salary cap and and the situation around the NBA is. Um, I just don't know how you can do that right now because nobody has those answers. Nobody knows what the situation is going to be. I've talked to a number of different agents that that think there is a high probability uh, that there will be more one-year deals than we've ever seen in the NBA because there's so much uncertainty this offseason, but next offseason it's supposed to be better with the salary cap. More contending teams are supposed to have money and maybe possibly – 
these guys can just get one-year deals as free agents this year and then get back into the 2021 free agency, which is the summer of Giannis, and everybody wants to be a free agent during that time because teams have been hoarding cap space and, and eyeing the 2021 class for a number of years in their team building and their planning. Um, so, like, this is the thing that, that Tristan has to figure out, and it's not an easy answer. The reality is if, if he wants to go to a contending team, he's not going to get the kind of money that he probably feels like he's worth. And it doesn't matter what I think he's worth. And it doesn't matter what you guys think he's worth. It's what he thinks he's worth and what his agent thinks he's worth. But, but he's, he's not going to get that on a contending team because the only contending team with any money is the Miami Heat. Um, so he's looking at New York and Detroit and Charlotte and Atlanta and those kinds of teams. Um, so it's like, what is he willing to sacrifice at this point in time in his career? If, if he's going to get to a contending team, it's with the mid-level exception, which is going to fall somewhere between eight to 10 million, which is eight to 10 million below what he made this past year with the Cavs. So he really has to figure out what's most important to him at this stage of his career and of his life. And I honestly don't think it's an easy answer. The Cavs want him back. Everybody in the organization loves him. Uh, They see the value that he brings, but it's not entirely their decision. And I don't think the Cavs are willing to get into a situation where they completely overpay. So, you know, one of the, because I've been thinking about that as well. And like, if, if he were to go somewhere else to compete, yep. Um, it would probably be for that, you know, like you said, between that eight to not uh, eight to ten million dollar range, that mid level. Yeah. Do you think a lot of players though, like, how how can you bounce back from that the next season? Like, how do you and your agent go to a team and say, listen, I know I only made, you know, I mean only, but like mm-hmm. I, I know I only made like nine million dollars, and then like ask for more. Or do you think that might have an impact on like his future decision if he were to take a one year deal? I don't simply just because. It's such a strange offseason, and I think there's a recognition around the NBA just how different it is um, in terms of value and in terms of monetary financial situation that the league is in, uh, mm. that, that it's probably not going to have any kind of carryover one way or the other when it comes to future seasons. I uh, I find it funny, like hearing you talk about you know Tristan Thompson going to contender or you know staying in Cleveland. <laughs> and when you really think about the Cavs, as depressing as of a statement this kind of is, they really haven't had any sort of like contention without LeBron within the past. Yep. I don't know how many years. So I want to ask you, as someone who covers the Cavs, what's like what's been the most exciting season or moment that you've had covering the Cavs that didn't involve LeBron? Like, was it just getting those three number one picks within a span of like seven years or whatever it was? Wow. This is a great question. Um, so I think it was Kyrie winning the lottery that led to Kyrie Irving. Um, because even though there were questions about him, he only played 11 games in college and, you know, he came from Duke and he had the whole Duke stain on him. Um, he was supposed to be the next hope and it was post LeBron and the city and the franchise was wrecked and they needed some symbol of rejuvenation. And, and Kyrie was that, especially given the rookie year that he had. So to me, that's the one that stands out in saying that attached to Kyrie is also a 26 game losing streak 
a whole lot of chaos surrounding the organization in the early years of Kyrie coaching changeover, general manager changeover. So it wasn't the most smooth thing, but, but I do remember the excitement level when, when they got the number one pick for that lottery specifically, um, it, it, it is probably the most joy that the organization and the fans have had in a post-LeBron life. So, you know, obviously Cleveland was excited uh, when they landed the, the, you know, what would be the draft rights to Kyrie Irving. And then Mm -hmm. I also think they have some young guys now, though, that they can be excited about. Like, I'm very, I was very impressed with Kevin Porter Jr.'s rookie year. Um, I think Garland definitely struggled, but I, when you look at his game, it's, it's easy to see a, a high ceiling. So, you know, what I wanted to ask you is between Garland Sexton and, and, uh, and KPJ, you know, which one do you think has the highest ceiling? I think if you asked anybody in the organization, they would rank it Kevin Porter Jr. One, Colin Sexton two, and Darius Garland three. Interesting. And it's not necessarily a knock against Darius, but it's like, how do you invest anything more than that? Or how do you have any other opinion other than that um, when he's coming off statistically the worst season of any player in the entire NBA? You know, it's a huge leap of faith. And, and look, that doesn't mean that the Cavs are willing to give up on him. It's just they need to see a lot more from him. And in many ways, and I talked to Darius about this a couple of months ago, he never felt like himself coming off the injury that he had and then not having a full off season to work on his game and all the different circumstances that tied into it. But he's got a lot to prove going into year two. Now that he's got a fully healthy off season, now that he's gotten his feet underneath him in the NBA, now that he's gotten that valuable experience, now that the Cavs have a stable coaching situation, um, it's up to him to kind of change the perception about him and the kind of rookie year that he had. But if you ask anybody in the front office, if you ask any of the players in that locker room, they'll point to KPJ and say, he's the one he's, he's the one with the ability to change the trajectory of this rebuild. He looks like the great players in the NBA. He plays like the great players in the NBA and he has all the talent in the world um, on the offensive end to go out and get a bucket anytime he wants. He can score um, around the rim, mid range, three point range. He's got to grow up. He's got to mature. He's got to make better decisions. Um, but you can see the potential. You can see the talent there. If it all comes together, uh, the Cavs will have a huge steal with the 30th overall pick last year. I I had no idea he was so explosive off of two feet. Did, did you know that? Oh like, when he, it's unbelievable. I mean, it was hard to know that much about him, right? Because mm. he had such a weird season at USC. He had one year in college. He didn't get along with his coach. Um, and he didn't really put up eye-popping numbers like some of the other guys in, in last year's draft class did. Yeah, so he was kind of the guy that you banked on the potential, the guy that you banked on with the talent. Um, and it was essentially a leap of faith. And for the Cavs, it made sense because he was their third first-round pick. You know what I mean? It's not like he was their second first-round pick. That was Dylan Windler. Mm. He was their third first-round pick, and it was the last pick of the first round. Um, you can argue that he probably should have gone higher than that just from a pure talent perspective, but there was a lot of risk attached to him as well, and the Cavs felt like at that point, third first-round pick, 
it makes sense to take that kind of risk, to take that kind of swing. But I didn't know he was that athletic until it was the first day of training camp, actually. I had a player text me that said KPJ just did something that completely stunned all of us. We didn't see it coming. I think he crossed over Jetty Osman, and he went to the rim, and he dunked over somebody. And everybody was talking about that for the next few weeks. Yeah, he's he's got – I mean, he is – star potential it's it's pretty it's pretty clear to see um and i like how they took a risk um i know that i know that zach has another uh zach you know the draft kind of related question right (laughs) yeah well i guess just in a few weeks the Cavs will have the opportunity to add another piece to this young core as we've been talking about so i want to get two names off of you one is mm-hmm. you know your dream pick like say if the Cavs had the number one pick this is the guy who you'd want them to take and then I guess more of just like a realistic hopeful a guy who you would still see at number five and you'd be like I really want him and but one that's a little more you know realistic that would fall to the fifth pick so my dream pick is going to stun people because um it's not really a huge need and they've invested so much in the position but it would be LaMelo Ball simply because I think he's the best player in this year's class, and he brings an element to the guard spot that the Cavs don't have. Well, two elements, to be honest with you. He's the best passer in this class, and the Cavs don't have a great passer, and he brings size to a backcourt. Like He has the ability at six foot six, six foot seven, to potentially pair up with either Darius Garland or Colin Sexton, and guard the bigger guys that those guys struggle to guard. So you have future positional versatility and defensive versatility combined with early on um, a great passer, somebody who can see the court. And if there's some concern when it comes to Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, it's that. Do they make their teammates better? Can they see the play that's behind the play? Um, And can they continue to evolve as distributors as opposed to guys who just go out and look for their own. So that's where I would start. Um, He's not going to be there at five. I don't see a situation where he is there at five. Um, So I think at five for the Cavs, Isaac Okoro probably makes the most sense, but uh, I have my concerns. The problem is like anybody that the Cavs are looking at at number five, you can do the yeah, but thing, right? You can say Obi Toppin because he's a great offensive player, probably the most polished offensive player. And then you say, yeah, but he can't defend anybody. And the Cavs are the worst defensive team in the NBA for the last two years. Uh, Devin Vassell, who makes a lot of sense, is a three and D option. And then you say, yeah, but there's film going around of him catapulting shots now. And he's changed his shooting motion that led to shooting 41% in back-to-back years at Florida State. And then you can do Denny Avdia. And you can say, well, yeah, but he can't shoot. He hasn't shown the ability to shoot. And Isaac Okoro is supposedly the best two-way player, uh, at least potentially, if if his shot comes around. And, of course, that's a big if because he shot 28% from three and 67% or something like that from three free-throw lines, um, which is kind of terrifying when you're talking about somebody at that particular position. So I don't know that there is that – standout player for the Cavs with the fifth overall pick. Um, but if I had, if I had to say right now who my favorite is, it's a Coro because I think, I think shooting is a correctable flaw 
if the kid is willing to work at it enough, and all the intel I have is that he's got a great work ethic, and all he really cares about is God, family, and basketball. Those are, those are some pretty solid things. I can't critique any of that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, and I only have one one question left for you. Um, it's all right. I got nothing going on. It's, it's been the <laughs> longest offseason in the world already. So, That's that's uh, what this pandemic has done to everybody, right? It's like, uh, you know what? I actually don't have anything to do. Um, yeah. Well, e- either way, you know, what I wanted to ask you about was, I, it might just be me, but like when when I look at this Cleveland team, um, I think they have more talent than what other people may think. And my question to you is, what are their aspirations for next year? Or do they want to, you know, make the playoffs? Do they want to rebuild a little bit? You know, what's what's going on? So I think in some ways it might depend who you ask, honestly. I think there are some in the organization that have a clear, uh, clear-minded view about what this team is capable of and how far away they are. But I think the majority of people inside the organization want to compete. Um, look, the 2020-21 season has been the one that everybody in the organization from the top on down has pointed to in terms of we need to show tangible growth. We need to get better. And once LeBron left, this was year three of the rebuild where they said, okay, we got to take steps forward. Um, There have been some things that kind of changed that a little bit, right? Like, Like last year's coaching search went horribly wrong and they got J.B. Bickerstaff, but but he only got 11 games as a head coach. So he's going into his first full season as Cavs head coach off of a pandemic, off of the longest offseason in the world, and so many different circumstances, not only working against him, but working against the Cavs. And I think if you're being honest and fair, you would say that they were one of the teams that was most impacted negatively by not going to the Disney bubble and getting the extra five to seven weeks of work as a team that some of these other teams got. Mm. And I think it's fair to wonder how that's going to affect them going into this season and how, if at all, that shifts any kind of realistic aspirations that they may have. Um, But, but I think if you ask JB Bickerstaff, if you ask GM Kobe Altman, if you ask owner Dan Gilbert and a number of the players, uh, they would tell you that their goal is to compete for one of those final spots in in the Eastern Conference. And I think they feel like, based on the way that they played in the 11 games with J.P. Bickerstaff and the way that they played um, following the All-Star break um, after adding Andre Drummond to this group, uh, they feel like they can be a uh, like 28 to 34 win team or something like that. And in the Eastern Conference at the bottom, who knows what that means. I do find it interesting, and maybe it's just because the Supernova Warriors don't exist anymore, but it seems like every team is just sold on competing. Like, you look at the West, and all 15 teams are saying we want to make the playoffs, and then you look at the East, and all the teams that made the playoffs last year obviously have the same hopes, and then Atlanta and Chicago have both been saying how they want to make win-now moves, and then now what we're hearing with Cleveland. So I find that really intriguing, maybe just because they see the league is open. Um, but one final one final question for me, it, I kind of tease it at the start of, you know, what do you think is going to happen with Andre Drummond and his player option and maybe a potential trade? Like, where, where do the Cavs kind of sit with him? Follow the money. 
that's the way that I would answer it. Follow the money. I, I think Andre, so I talked to him last week. Um, it was the first time I had talked to him in a while. And my big takeaway, and, and sometimes with guys you have to read between the lines, but my big takeaway is I honestly believe that Drummond is unsure about what to do with this player option because there are so many things that are uncertain right now in the NBA. And I think that makes sense. Like, I think he's got a lot to consider, and there's so much uncertainty um, that it's, it's hard to have clarity on an unclear situation, no matter who you are. Uh, at the end of the day, I think he also recognizes that the most lucrative option is staying with the Cavs. There's nobody giving him $28 million in this climate if he opts out of that contract. There's nobody giving him close to that. So it's not like there's a situation out there that, okay, if he opts out of the contract, it's I'm going to take less money, but I'm going to work my way into such a better um, situation that it's going to be worth giving up that kind of money. Like he's going to give up $28 million to play for the Knicks. Really? He's going to give up $28 million to play for the Hornets. Like, come on, like no chance. So like, even though the Cavs aren't a great situation for him, um, I still expect him to opt in because the money difference will be way too significant. And if he opts in, that's his best way of getting back onto the market in 2021 where, again, a lot of guys want to be a free agent that offseason. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where we settled with it. Like, obviously, we don't have the same insight that you do, but we were saying how we think Drummond is a, is a good player and he can definitely you know impact a team well, but is he overly worth $28 million? I don't know, so I, I don't see no. him getting, getting much more money uh, elsewhere. Uh, Chris, we're, we're super thankful for your time. You can read him at thecleveland.com. He hosts 92.3 The Fan. Do you have anything else you want to plug before we head out? No, I think that's about it, guys. You can also hear me on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast that I do every single week on the cleveland.com platform. So you can stay locked in with the Cavs, even though there isn't a ton going on with the team. Uh, you can stay locked in that way, too. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and uh, have fun doing whatever it is we do in this uh, in this world now. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hold so on. Matt is unorganized once again. Are we on? I don't. I just yeah. I just started nice. recording because you're nice. You're, I got it. No, I was unorganized for about eight seconds. So take that. I got my <laughs> questions. Um, um. Hey, what's the greatest game in the world, but also such a good time passer? Would you rather? Fun for all ages and all types of people. Is it fun? For, is it fun for all ages? It can be rated R. It can be family friendly, or it could be NBA related. It could. It can be all these things and more, which is why we're going to bring it to you guys. Um, Zach, let's. What do you want to do? You want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh. I guess I can go first. So basically what we did is yeah. we each came up with a few would-you-rather questions that are NBA-related. So they could be you know realistic to this offseason. They could just be hypothetical. They could be whatever we wanted. We really put no parameters on it as long as they were related to the NBA. Uh, if you guys listening have your own would-you-rather questions that you know you think or you have your answers to these questions, tweet them at us at PlaygroundRMBA or at Matt Esposito underscore or at Zach Wilson NBA. I switched it up. I switched it up from five zero. Did you know that? No, I. And that's funny because I, I always wondered what the five zero was for. It was nothing. It was just because I, 
I didn't want to have some like I wanted to have my full name in it, but at Zach Wilson's taken. So I was like, I'll just add these two numbers. Why not? Five was my high school number, and I couldn't use Zach Wilson five, so I just put a zero on it. And there's a zero. Sure. Uh, Or I'm like Dame time. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so then I just made it Zach Wilson NBA, which I understand is corny in itself. But hey, I figure out. I figure if I uh, one day make it as you know this this huge NBA guy, it'll make sense in the end. Um, I know I said that you were going to go first, but can I go first? Uh, yeah, you can go first since you clearly had no interest in my Twitter name change. That's a big deal. When are you going to switch to Matt Esposito under, I mean, NBA? Matt Esposito 50. Matt, yeah, you have to go to the 50 and then you have to go to the NBA. (laughs) Because I actually think I might have been Zach Wilson underscore before the 5-0. I'm a step behind. Hey, can we really quickly, can we just, can I just plug something very quickly now that we're talking about plugs? Sure. Can you guys follow us on YouTube? Um, at the, we're the playground on YouTube. We're dropping like a bunch of free agency breakdowns. So like, hey, if your team goes out there and they, you know, go and sign Tristan Thompson or Jakob Pertl, you'll know exactly what to expect. We have rookie reviews. We're going to be doing more and more. So I don't know. Help, help, help us get some more subscribers. All right, this is um, this is my would you rather. Ready? Would you rather have Zion? on your team for the next 10 years or LeBron for the next three. I knew that I knew where I knew where this was going. I'll take LeBron for the next three. Honestly, like maybe K okay, I always, I okay, We can't do this and I'm about to do it, but it obviously just completely matters what the rest of my team's looking like, but you give me LeBron for the next three. I can build a winner around him in three years. And with LeBron who, Honestly, he may be the best player in the league for the next three years. Like, he's just he, he might. Am I crazy to say that he's gotten better? Like he's lost a step and he's not as athletic, but I, I honestly think he may have, may be getting better. I've never seen a more chess master LeBron than than what we've seen. And it his looks shooting. Like, well, yeah, yeah. So first of all, like his his three point shooting. Um, I just you know there was a time earlier in his career where you'd. He'd shoot a three, and you'd be like, "I'll actually live with that." And now, like when he does, that's kind of that, oddly enough, that's like a signature move. And when he goes to it, I'm like, "Ah, oh, crap!" Like he's gonna he's gonna hit that pull up three. <laughs> um, but okay, let me let me change just a little bit. Instead of LeBron, instead of LeBron for the next three years, what if I said LeBron for the next two? Because that's I was originally gonna go with that. Then I was like, I don't know. What would you say? I think I'd still take LeBron. I don't know. Like once again, obviously, it matters if I have a rest of a rebuilding roster. But I think I would still take LeBron, which is crazy to say because Zion's still going to be like just thirty or still under thirty in ten years. Um, if you asked me, Luca for the next ten years, I'd take Luca though. Oof. Okay. I would probably take Luca as well, but the fact that like I'm hesitant just shows how freaking good LeBron is. It's because- stupid. For the if you if you were to change this like Luca for the next ten years or LeBron for the next two like yeah I think I'd take Luca but you know that like with LeBron on your team for the next two years there is a really really good chance you're winning a title and like winning a title in the NBA is one of the hardest things you'll ever ever do I feel like it's harder to win a title in the NBA than it is for like football baseball like I don't know I just I feel like it's so elusive so yeah what other stars could we throw in there. Um I don't know if there's another star that I would take. Maybe Kawhi, because he still is kind of young. Like, I think he's still only, like, 29 or something. 
Yeah, but you're gonna get him when he's when. What about Cade Cunningham? Even though we haven't even seen him yet in college. I don't know. I feel like I'd be more likely to go with Amoni Bates. Ooh, what about that guy from France? That that Victor guy. Yeah, I I wouldn't trust him enough yet. There's got to be another player in here. Um, no, I don't know that. But this is a good. One. I don't know. But you know what? We're, we'll throw this on a Twitter. This is a good Twitter poll. We'll throw this on a Twitter poll. To be um, fair, okay, we could throw all of these on a Twitter poll. Yeah, but I really like this one. So screw right. you, Zach. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, wh- this one's uh, this one's tough for you. This one's like semi-realistic, okay. like not not all the way, but like uh, I'll I'll just ask you. So. Sure. As Pat Riley, so you're Pat Riley right now. Uh-huh. Would you rather lock Great up? Great hair. Yes. At first, I thought you were like complimenting me, and then no, I was like, you. "That was random." <laughs> and then I realized what was going on. Uh, would you rather lock up Gallinari, Drogic, Bam, and Oladipo for multiple years, say three years each, or? Have none of them on contract past next year, but have the room for potentially signing Giannis. Okay, so in other words, next year, if I were, if I was Pat Riley, I could have Gallo, Debo, Bam, and Drogic. Yeah, like it, this offseason, you could sign all of them to three-year deals, or maybe you could have them for one-year deals. I don't know. That doesn't really matter. But either way, right. you have none of them past next year, and you have the room for potentially signing Giannis. Okay, so it's basically... Do you want, uh, what is the saying? A bird, wait, a bird in the bush, two in the hand. What's the saying? A bird in the bush, two in the hand, one in the bush, and one on the tree. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you know what I'm saying? I think the saying I I don't know. (laughs) Would you, okay, would you rather have one bird in your hand or two in the bush? That's what it is. No, that's what it is though. Why would you have birds in your hands? Because the goal is to catch a bird, Zach, okay? So would you rather have one bird that you know you have or gamble that you can capture two birds in a bush? Okay? It's kind of like, would you rather have two birds in your hand or this one mega bird in the bush? Hawk. Yeah, exactly. This, uh, this. I Have you ever seen like, um, I think they're like, I don't know if it's in the Philippines. They have these like crazy hawks that are wild. But either way, pterodactyl. It's, it's a, it's a, well, Filipinos a have great food. I've always wanted to go to uh, the the Southern Pacific, but um, okay. So I think I would gamble on Giannis. I would. I would gamble on Giannis because let's let's play out these scenarios, right? Let's say you add Gallo and Depot. Okay. Uh, Victor Oladipo is not a guaranteed thing with his health. He's just not. I think that's right? where that's where it kind of teeters for me if i was assured in all-star oladipo i would take those four guys locked up for multiple years where since oladipo is still, still kind of a think, question i, w- I would I go still, with the honest i still see even if they had like healthy oladipo jimmy butler bam gallo we know they have hero right we know they have duncan robinson still and they that brought back going to the finals uh would you at the end of the day you can still only play five of them five of them on the court Right. So like at one time, but then I could get them in, you know, substitutions. You ever heard of that? <laughs> no, that substitutes are a thing. It's not like soccer where you have like three a game. Um, but let's say that team goes. So let's say that happens. What would Brooklyn do next is my question. If that happens, you better believe that Brooklyn's finding a way to get more help. 
like Drew Holiday. So let's play out this to get Bradley Beal. Let's play out. Let's play out this scenario. Let's say that Miami gets Gallo and all them guys. Brooklyn goes out and they trade Levert um, for Drew Holiday, who, by the way, is in my opinion the most underrated player in the NBA. Um, I would take a Kevin Durant, Kyrie, Drew Holiday core, right? Maybe with like Joe Harris and Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. I would still pick that team to beat the Heat um, to go to the finals. But here's the thing: like everyone knows, Giannis, if he leaves Milwaukee, he's going to Toronto, right? Like that's just—it's already a given. Just... <laughs> so at this point, you're just saving the cap Boston. space for nothing. Yeah, he's yeah, going to New I, York. A, a source told me he's going to Boston, and when I say a source, just literally me. Um, no, but I I would gamble on Giannis because I do think uh, a, a future core of Giannis. Jimmy, Hero, Duncan, Bam. I, I just think that. I mean, it, it's it's a perfect fit for Giannis um, because he doesn't have to close games and like it, it's just I don't know. I think that'd be I'd rather gamble on the the higher talent in my opinion. But that's just I, I me. Would like, too. I would too. Like I said, if Oladipo was an All Star, I think I'd take the sure thing. But um, or at least I shouldn't say that. If Oladipo what didn't get hurt and he was still playing at that level like he was an all-star, then I would yeah. take the sure thing. But since he's such a question mark, uh, yeah, no. I would, I would, I would be, save the cap space. I'd be tempted, but I'd be tempted, but I still go with you, Giannis. Um, okay, the, here, here's my next one, ready? Would you rather have as your young core, okay? Yo, no way. I have a question almost just like this coming up, so hopefully we did not choose the same guys. <laughs> we might have. Would, <laughs> would you rather have? Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Michael Bridges, or Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? I would take Brown and Tatum. Walk me through your thought process. I don't think I don't think it's even hard for me, because if I were just to rank those players in order of who I think is going to end up on top, say, in five years, or like if I were to project them in five years, I would rank it... Tatum, Booker, Brown, Aiton, and Bridges. So if I'm getting two of the top three guys, I'll take that any day. Like, Booker's the only thing that's enticing to me. I like Aiton. I think he's good, but I don't think he's going to be near as good as what Brown and Tatum will have to offer. Is Devin Booker slightly better than Jason Tatum? Um, I mean, I like, don't think he is. Maybe if you factor in solely on offense, but when you when you take into account rebounding and defensively, Probably not, but I think Booker is probably better offensively when you take encounter like playmaking and probably just as a straight shooter he is. But no, not when you factor in the in- entirety of a game. I I totally agree, and I think that uh, I think Devin Booker is remarkably impressive with his shot creation creation package. But um, J- by the way, and this is we're gonna hint at like a little article that I that I want to write. Jason Tatum as a playmaker for others is coming. That is on the way. Right, like, like I think next year he averages probably like twenty three a game, six and a half, seven boards, and I actually think he's going to lead the Celtics in assists next year. With I mean, it's not going to be a crazy number; it might just be like five, five and a half. But I do think he's going to do that. Um, I agree with you. I would take. I would. I would make your choice as well. So good. Good selection, Zach. Good job. I um. So for mine, I didn't go with a real like core of teams. I I kind of. I basically just did a young duo. Like, who would you want to start your franchise okay. with right now? Um, and there's two duos I put together. So, who would you rather start 
your franchise with right now. Say you had them both locked up for like five years. Like you had them for a long time. So don't count. Don't don't take into right. account their their current contract situations, whatever. Would you rather have Luka Doncic and Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis? Okay, so Embiid and Davis or Luka and Towns. Um, one of them you're scoring like 190 a game. The other one you're holding the, the opposing team to like 50 a game. I would I would rather have Oh boy, that's crazy. I mean, listen, I know the right answer. The right answer to this is Davis and Embiid. Why is that the it, right answer? And this is why it's the right answer, but I just would rather <laughs> I want to have Luka and Towns because I would love watching them play more. Um and I want to give Carl Anthony Towns some love. But okay, this is why Davis and Embiid is the right answer. So offensively, Carl Anthony Towns is a more talented scorer than either Embiid or Davis, right? Yeah. No, he's he's the best offensive center in the league, even if we're including Jokic. Yeah. I, I agree. I He's one of the best offensive scorers in the league, regardless of position. Um, that being said, Anthony Davis, like what we saw from him in the postseason, he is not too far behind. Like he is going to progress and, and become better. Like he, he, the next step for him is going from like 34% from three to like 37, right? Which would be very, like if he made 37% of his threes, took five a game, Whew. he can beat you in the post. He can take you off the dribble now. Like the things that he does on offense, he's the crazy part is he's still growing offensively. So yes, Towns is better than him, but I don't think the gap is quite as large as what people think because I think Anthony Davis is showing that he he is progressing. Um, Embiid is interesting. I don't believe in Embiid as a three point shooter. We just we just haven't seen it consistently, and I don't know what it's going to take for people to realize that. Um, so at the at at his best for three point shooting, he's very streaky. But at the same time, like. He's a hell of an offensive player in his own right. He gets to the free throw line all the time. He can score in the post whenever they give, decide to give him the ball in the post. Um, and defensively, he could be defensive player of the year. Same with same with Davis. So like that would, would be think, a, a monster defensively, like just insane. Yeah. It doesn't even matter who else is around you. I mean, they could literally switch everything, and like Davis can guard like four, like quicker fours, right? Like. Like if the you know and I, I hate to always go back to the Celtics but it just kind of works because of their lineup like if the Celtics were to start Jason Tatum at the four like no one's gonna be like oh Anthony Davis you know is stuck guarding Jason Tatum and he's much quicker no like Davis can do that um yeah I I would go with that why what would you go with so this is obviously insanely close that's why I made it because if it wasn't close then it wouldn't be a fun or an interesting choice. But I've gotten to the point with Luka Doncic where if he's involved in uh, pick this guy or another guy and it's actually a close matchup, I will always go to the one with Luka. I'm just so big on him. He's 21 years old and he might yeah. already be like the sixth best player in the league, the seventh best. I think I would take him over AD. I would take him over Embiid. Uh, but then like I would take both AD and Embiid over Towns. I just... I. When you have Luca and Towns, I don't know who's stopping that. Like that's just insanity. And I just think I literally think Luca's ceiling is literally the greatest of all time. Once you, if if he stays healthy, because 
if this guy gets a team in Dallas that can build rings and he can get like four or five championships, I could see him easily winning three or four MVPs. And I could see him easily being near the top of the leaderboards on both play all like points, rebounds, and assists. I just I'm so probably way too big on Luca, but I, I really like him. So let's have let's have this conversation. Let's let's do this, because this is good. Um I think out of very, very rarely do we have a player that pops up where you could actually see this guy breaking into the top five all-time ranks. Like, in, ter- in terms of how we rank players, I think that's incredibly rare. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the last time a player had this much hype. Ma- it, I, I, it was it out might there have been bit. LeBron. I don't know. I was going to say, it's either LeBron, and, and I know it was out there a little bit with Anthony Davis. Um, but obviously Anthony Davis didn't show us, you know, anything close to the skill set in college that Luca had when he was playing overseas. But Luca does have that chance, and I, I don't think, you know, I think that the percentage chance of him becoming, you know, actually challenging LeBron or Jordan for that best all time, I think that's very, I think it's a very small chance. But like the fact that like. He is the talent. Like, he is the generational talent. He will bring us out of the LeBron era, and he will carry the NBA as the best player in the league for probably the next, like, 10 years or so. And he, and he can get better is the crazy part. Like, he he's, can actually he's, get... he's my prediction for MVP next year. Is he? I, I'm taking Steph Curry. Personally. I realistically would take Giannis if he didn't win it the past two years. But I think because he won it the past two years and he kind of floundered out in the playoffs, they just won't vote for him. I think Giannis will still have the best statistical MVP type regular season because he's just still an absolute freak and he goes hard literally 82 games of the year. But I think there's voter fatigue and it's narrative. And I think Dallas is going to finish like top four, top five. And I think Luka's going to get it. See, I don't think Dallas finishes that high. I don't think... uh... I don't know. They finished seventh, and that was with a pretty limpy Kristaps all year up until the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think Kristaps is going to be healthy all year. Um, and listen, his supporting cast is like, like I would give his supporting cast like a B, B minus. That's the craziest part. And I don't think he's gonna. And I don't think that's enough to get to the fourth, the fourth seed. I, I personally think that Steph Curry is going to win MVP. I think everything is there, right? I think Golden State is. Uh, has a really good chance of being one of the top two teams in the West next year. Um, they're all going to come back super, super rested and healthy because of this extended break that they're having. Um, I think Steph has something to prove. I think that whole team has something to prove. I think they're going to make a move, whether it's through the draft or you know trade. I mean, obviously through the draft or trading that picks. So I think I think Steph is going to be, you know, the best player on a really fun team that's going to be in like maybe the number two or number one seed. But either way, man. So like, that's a good narrative pick too, because of the coming is. back from injury and all that. It is. It's a great narrative pick. Um, we'll see. That I mean, the, the the takeaway from this is that Luca legitimately, whether whether it's a two percent chance, right, or let's say you give it a one percent chance or you know fifty percent chance, he has a legitimate chance to end up being the best basketball player of all time, and that's. Really, I think really. he'd, he'd have to improve defensively a bit to really get up in those conversations, but he has the size and the body to do so. He has the size, he has the clutchness, um, and that uncanny ability just to get wherever he wants on the court. Okay, here's my last question. Okay, 
Would you rather? Well, imagine this. A, a dry booger, like a booger flake, it's falling out of your nose regardless. Okay? Would you rather have it happen in front of uh, a, a girl that was on a first date or during a job interview? <laughs> I kind of I knew this was going job interview. Oh, that's really tough. It's it's You know what though? Honestly, ah oh, man, I think I'd choose the first date. I think I with my personality, I'm very like just myself in front of anyone, even the first time I meet them. Sure. And I think I would be able to recover from that pretty pretty flawlessly. Like I think I I I think okay, I'd be fine. Okay, but here's the thing. The re- the recovery isn't really up to you. Like what no matter like there's a scenario where that girl, whoever it is, is like no matter what you do after that, she's just grossed out. Well then why do I want her anyway? Hey, you know what? That's always the my mindset, what, honestly. The heart wants what the heart wants, dude. <laughs> and I wouldn't want someone that's that grossed out by that. Dude, love is a crazy thing. Sometimes you want you're in love with people that maybe you don't want. I don't know. I have no Which, idea. What if it's your crush? It's it is funny because as a boss, I don't think anyone would care if that happened. Like I know if I was a boss and that happened to someone, it wouldn't make me think twice. Like I wouldn't even remember back to it. But it's just I don't know. Those are one job interviews are one of those things where you just you have to be one hundred percent on top of your game. You feel like the littlest slip up, you think about that nonstop until they call and tell you you got the job. So here is a tr- so I for everyone listening right, and I know it's really hard to get a job right now. So I want to give this advice. I used to work in staffing. So I used to help companies find people to work for them. Um, I, this is the best advice I can give you. At any job you go to, the interviewer is, they're, they're going to know if you're skilled or not, most likely. They're going to know that through your resume and they're going to know that through your references. It, and during the interview, they might ask you a couple questions um, to figure out like how skilled you are at the job, Right. And actually, most of the interview is going to be that. But here's what they're really looking for. They're looking for someone they can spend eight hours a day with, five days a week, right. for years of their life. Yeah, That's what it is. They're looking for chemistry and culture. And they'll figure out if you have the skills or not pretty easily, right? Um, that's my interview tip. So you, All right, so you said – You're like a 50-year-old man. I'm a 50-year-old man? Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, with the body of a – 47 year old you know what now that i think about it i think i would choose the job interview but i would choose the first date just because i feel like that's like a good test like i said like i want to see how she reacts because i want to see if the ken's there what's your recovery like because i have my recovery if 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 this happens on a first date you have two paths there are two things you can do okay but you have to address it so you can either address it on the spot and be and and just dive into it, right? And be like, and, and you know, you could say something like, "Well, that's the most embarrassing thing that I've ever had happen on a date," and just laugh it off. Like yeah. you could do that. You could do something funny and like look at it and be like, you know, like imagine like you were on a dinner date. You could be like, "Oh, like are you gonna eat that?" Like you could do something funny like that, or you text her or him, right? Whatever your preferences, and or I guess preference isn't the right word nowadays. Um, Sexual orient. What what do we call it? Just go. We know what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Um, either way. Or you can text them later, 
and be like, so uh, we have to address this booger flake that fell out of my nose. Like, there's a way you can you can pull this off, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't see. I don't know what I would do. I just know in the moment I'd be able to read the situation and then react. Sure. I'm I'm just like, I'm an improv guy. In a, in a job interview, there's nothing you can do. You're done. Do you think you're okay? Are you actually done or just in your mind you're done? Either way, it doesn't matter. If you're done in your mind, you're probably done in real life. Oh, there's a there's a lesson for you. Uh, okay, I have I got two more of these questions. One of them is NBA related, and one of them is uh, I want to say kind of like yours, but it's not NBA related. So okay. the first one, I'll go with the NBA one first. If you were forced to at this second bet all of your money, like the all of your money in your bank account on either LA winning the title or the rest of the field. LA meaning the Clippers or the Lakers or the rest of the field. Who would you put your money on? LA. I think I, I would, would go LA too, which is insane, eh? That's like that's pretty I mean, crazy, but I would still do it cuz I think they're the two I still think they're the two best teams in the league no matter what I saw out of the Clippers last year. And that says something. I would pick I would pick LA and um Listen, there are other great teams in the field. I'm very bullish on Brooklyn. I think that everything hinges on Kevin Durant and his Achilles injury. Um, but if he's healthy, I think they're in the finals. I really do. I Kevin Durant's unbe- he's unbelievable. I think people are forgetting how unbelievable this dude is. And I think they're going to make another move in Brooklyn. Um, I think the Celtics are still going to be really good. And I, I don't think they're going to make a splashy move, but I think this team is going to get better. And they were pretty close to making the finals. I, th- I think we I think we saw the best of the Heat, personally, uh, but they're still really good. I think Milwaukee will be good. I think they're going to make I one think, move for yeah. a, an All Star type player, and I even if they don't make a move, I still they're still a threat. Like they've still proven yeah, in the regular season that they're the best team in the league tw- two years in a row, and there's the potential that they don't flame out in the playoffs. And I don't think anyone would be surprised if Philadelphia was very good under Doc Rivers. So there's a lot of teams out there, and the Raptors, right? There's a lot of teams out there. Go Raptors. Um, but, Go right, you know, and then there's Denver. There's um, New Orleans, Phoenix, Minnesota, (laughs) Charlotte, Charlotte, Atlanta. No, but I would I would take Los. That's a really good question. Yeah, I would give me give me the city of Los Angeles. Yeah, that's it's really interesting because I was thinking, and obviously in betting terms, that's not the smart move. Like you just don't take two teams over twenty eight. But when you really boil it down, I think I would. And obviously, it's it's obviously extremely difficult right now, and I'd have a more confident pick, say, in December when free agency is played through. But, yeah, I mean, if I was forced to right now, I'd probably go L.A. Me too. Agreed. There's another good Twitter poll, right, Matt? Right? Mine was better. Mm. Okay, how about this one that we can put up as a Twitter poll? Would you rather every shirt you wear be extremely itchy, like to the point where it's just absolutely mm. unbearable, or only be able to use your bare hand to wipe your ass. Did you did you Google this? No, I just thought of two extremely horrible things. I'd rather have the itchy shirt. Oh man, I think I I probably would too because using your bare hand would be absolutely disgusting and such a hassle to like. You know what it is? Hardcore wash your hands every time, but man, it's, that would be annoying. It's the texture. It's not even so much the smell. It's we never, okay, <laughs> as humans, we never actually experience the sensation of feeling poop. 
like having the feeling in our hands. You have how many times in your life have you ever done that? Probably very, very few. That I try it every it, once in a while. Yeah, just, keep, just to keep myself honest. Reach no, um, just reach down there. No, that's so, but a like, good one. It, it's just we we don't know that sensation, you know. So when you feel it, do you know how gross that's gonna be? It's gonna be disgusting. Well, that's like, and have you ever, take... this is another would you rather I got asked like two weeks ago, would you rather eat a chocolate bar that tastes like poop or poop that tastes like a chocolate bar? And I said, I'd rather eat the chocolate bar that tastes like poop just because of the texture and all that. Like as soon as I insert the log of crap into my mouth, even if it tastes good, I think I'd gag. It really depends on the type of poop, to be honest with you. Okay. There just a, so just different... a, just a solid log, just a pure log. I'm not asking you to scoop like runny diary in your mouth All right, well you know the thing about poop is that everyone's too out at this point by the way everyone's just way too <laughs> disgusted it's meant to be not eaten it's the opposite of eaten you We're don't say like literally it's our body getting That's rid your of second things. great piece of advice today it's not meant to be eaten <laughs> it's it's our body getting rid of things that it doesn't want us to have so even if it tastes like chocolate i'd have to assume it'd be absolutely terrible for us yeah, and that's why you wouldn't eat it, right? Because you'd be, mm, I don't know about the health factors in this. I don't know. What are the macros in this? Uh, you is know, this how many, really going to help my gains? How many, how many grams of uh, protein is in this? Good to um, know. Matt doesn't eat his crap because he's afraid of the health concerns. Hey, I can promise you, with, <laughs> with the type of fitness influencers we have on Instagram today, if someone said that poop had a lot of protein, I promise you. You could find an influencer making like a poop, you know. Oh, they they blend it up. They blend it up with some some strawberries and some peanut butter. Throw an egg. They probably just poop right into the blender. Oh, that's disgusting. That's tough. I'm over this conversation, but this was a very fun podcast. This was a very fun one. Uh, Chris was a great interview. Would you rather was great, yeah. and Zach, now we get to live life. Zach, where uh, where can everyone find us? In the bathroom very soon. Not because of what you think, but for the second episode in a row, I have to urinate really bad. So, yeah, go, um, go, go. I'm at Zach Wilson NBA on Twitter, though. Zach, I have to take off. I have, I have a phone call I got to do. I got to take off after this anyways. All right. Yo, well, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe to the podcast and leave your review. Peace. We stayed up till the morning. Talking till the first light of dawn.